0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: You know what it is? Episode 125. That's right, 125. For the love of the game, let's get this work. beat? never came Got a of you
0: can hardly hit me Especially when it's like this, It's the H tab, baby, and you know what it is.
1: Got a stand phone cup for the bar uh, Four deep in my old school car Shock uh, Cali while I'm bangin' the screw It's the Iceman baby and You know what he do I'm thrusting in the food leaning like a gas gate straight above the dome freestyling like hair braids making that candy dance i'm thrown off the cali plan i'm prancing on the sling crawling down like fire ants my mind in the trance i'm sharpening stars playing stacking franklins and grands from south bank to spring branch i'm posted like a stamp with my mind on cash i'm wheel gripping the steel welcome back everybody welcome back it is episode 125 of for the Love of the Game show with yours truly, A.T.H. Aaron Tobin has Back Behind the Mic, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Happy to be a part of it. We're finally up and running. Here we go. All right, so it's been a little bit. We've had Jewish holiday season. Scheduling has been tough, but we're back in the saddle, back behind the mic, and looking forward to a little bit more of a regular schedule going forward in terms of putting out shows on a timely manner and uh, getting really getting after it. So I'm definitely looking forward to that as the, uh, the fall months come upon us. So where do we stand? The giants absolutely stink. They absolutely stink. They lost 17, 14 to the Atlanta Falcons who absolutely stink. All right. This Has to be rock bottom for the New York Giants. Has to be. I I was talking with some people over the holidays, you know, about the Giants just shooting the shit. If they didn't win on this past Sunday, I don't see where the wins are coming. I, I don't see them going into New Orleans and winning a game in New Orleans. I mean, they just find new ways to lose. Find new ways to lose. I mean, they made Matt Ryan, who is legit awful these days, look somewhat competent. Adore Jackson dropped the game ceiling interception in his hands. In his hands, all right? Then there was the decision to punt fourth and three at the 39-yard line. There was that. There was the pass interference in the end zone that led to the game tying touchdown. It's just embarrassing. It's embarrassing. And the fact that there were so many questions about the quarterback, Daniel Jones, turnover prone. Now, I'm not saying Daniel Jones has inspired everybody with his play, but he's only lost. One fumble so far and hasn't thrown an interception, yet they're 0-3. And they lost the winnable games. They lost to Atlanta. They lost to Washington, who they've handled over the years, and they kind of stink. And Denver, they're 3-0, but that's a really soft 3-0. Like, where are the wins coming from? Where are the wins coming from? On a day where they honored Eli Manning and brought him in the ring of honor, they couldn't play inspired football. We should have known that because they didn't play inspired on the 20th anniversary of commemorating September 11th. So, why the hell would they play inspired football this past Sunday if they couldn't do it then? It's a mess. It's a damn mess. Dave Gettleman is a disaster. Jason Garrett, the play caller, is a disaster. It's unimaginative and uninspiring. Joe Judge, who everybody liked last year, myself included, he sucks too, all right? That punt decision, fourth and three to 39, is chicken shit football. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. He's not absolved. Talked with, you know, recurring guest Shy Elberg. He's like, there's no way they fired Joe Judge after this year. Well, if they go 0 and 17, they better fire his ass. If they go 6 and 11, they better fire his ass. He's not absolved. Gelman's not absolved. And Mr. Mara, what are we doing here, man? Dave Gelman should have been fired yesterday. You might as well fire everybody now and clean house so they can have a clean slate the rest of the year whatever move on start from scratch because this is an absolute mess it is a damn mess i'm trying to get worked up about this because at this point with the giants over the last 10 years or so it's just been eh, more of the same giants fans don't deserve this i mean this is a team that's won two super bowls in my lifetime we just put in the ring of honor a guy who made the playoffs, you know, somewhat regularly in the first 75% of his career, won two Super Bowl titles. Now we pine for that. I miss Eli Manning in the worst way. And Giants fans, myself included, thought Eli stayed on a little too long. Thought he stayed on a little too long. It was ugly at the end. I get it. It was a malpractice what the general managers have done for the last few years of Eli's career. It's a malpractice what the general managers are doing now, but what has changed? Nothing has changed. They have started. 0 two for the better part of the last 10 years. And now it's Owen three again. Crazy. If Dave Gettleman is not fired by the end of the year, then he must have some serious blackmail on the ownership because every move he's made has been poor, all right? He was praised for trading back in the draft and not drafting Justin Fields, but he only did that because the guy he wanted, Devontae Smith, was off the board. And he was forced into a corner because he was so transparent of what he wanted to do with the pick. And guess what? He used it on this guy, Kadarius Tony, who can't even get on the damn field. Right now, he's maybe the seventh, or eighth best wide receiver in the draft. That was their first round pick. The offensive line still sucks. Like, what is positive here? The answer is nothing. Nothing. And the defense... The vaunted defense that was top 10 last year, where are you at? Leonard Williams, big year last year, where are you at, homie? Embarrassing. Embarrassing. And the only reason that they're more of an embarrassment than this team that they share a stadium with, which may be the worst team in the league, is because... There was something to look forward to with the Giants the way they closed last year. That the defense was good. That maybe, just maybe, they'd be in the mix for the division. Well, they're not in the mix. They're not in the mix at all. They are way more of an embarrassment than the New York Jets, who really might be the worst team in the league. I'm so sick and tired of this this giant's crap, all right? They've been shoving crap in our faces for the better part of a decade and telling us that it's chocolate. It's outrageous. It's outrageous. And serves the fans right to boo the owner because he's still employing the same idiots that have gotten it wrong time and time again. Crazy, absolutely crazy. The fact that it is not even October and football in New York for the season is finished, is absolutely finished. There's no reason to watch, all right? If you want to watch Red Zone, do that. You want to get your bets. And by the way, your boy has been absolutely crap against the spread so far. Hopefully we'll rebound in week four. We had another losing week last week. I'm just tired. I'm tired of the NFL. I've had enough. I've, I'm a sheep who still watches this crap. But I've had enough. I've been beaten down by the NFL already. And the New York Giants are a large, large portion of that. So thank goodness that the Yankees have been hot lately and looking like they're going to be in the playoffs. And thank God that the Knicks, as crazy as the Knicks, seem to be the light that is New York sports right now. There's a real possibility that the New York Knicks are going to win a regular season game before the Jets and the Giants. For those who don't know, Knicks season tips off October 20th. The Giants are a disaster and the Jets are a disaster. It's just the way it is. And a little bit for the Jets, people are going to get on Zach Wilson Yeah, he's holding the ball too long. If you listen to Trent Dilfer and Ryan Russillo, he's trying to make the big home run play. You got to take the four or five easy ones. They actually did a really good segment. I'm too emotionally exhausted by football to really get into the Jets. They're not my team. They suck. But if you want to listen to somebody good on the Jets, not to plug anybody else's content, listen to what Trent Dilfer had to say about Zach Wilson. The offensive line stinks. Corey Davis, who had a nice week one, well, it looks like he just refuses to catch the ball. When Zach Wilson makes good throws, they've dropped him. The Jets are an embarrassment. But you know what? You knew it was going to be a long year for the Jets. You knew it was going to be a long year. If it's this bad at the end of the year, then the alarm bells can go off. But for right now, if you had to pick a bigger dumpster fire between the Jets and the Giants, it's the Giants. Because it wasn't supposed to be this way. But alas, here we are. Time is a flat circle. Here we are. But anyway, from a disaster in town to a very much not a disaster in town. The New York Yankees. So going into last weekend, they were shipping up to Boston. They were two games behind the Red Sox in the wild card standings. And they go to Boston for a set of three, and they sweep all three. Judge has been a monster. Jim Carlos Stanton's been a monster. And now the Yankees, after last night's tough loss with Garrett Cole on the mound, which may raise a little concerns that he hasn't been great as of late. He got uh, tagged by the home run ball. The defense did not help him out last night, and they'll lose a tough one to the Blue Jays. But up until last night, they won seven straight games and are now – a game up on the top wild card spot. Aaron Judge, the Yankees don't deserve Aaron Judge. All right, they've been so up and down this year, they don't deserve Aaron Judge. He's been tremendous. And what can you say about Giancarlo Stanton? Yankee fans all over the place have been frustrated with Stanton, myself included. I'm not absolved of this. Guy doesn't play the field. Everybody was saying he doesn't play the field. He's brittle as anything. But this year, well, he's been relatively healthy. He's been awesome when he's played. He's played the field and actually done a good job. I I would like to see him play the field a little bit more. I think it's actually helped him at the plate. And he's come up big. He was an assassin in that Boston series. An assassin. Just unbelievable. So I know he's paid a lot of money. I know he was coming off an MVP season when the Yankees traded for him. I know he's a little bit limited of a player, even though he's shown right now that he's maybe not as limited as we all thought. I know that there was a thought process that the Yankees traded for the wrong Marlins outfielder at the time, that they should have gotten Christian Yelich and said all those things may be true, but right now, nobody should be giving Giancarlo Stanton any mess, any mess. All right. Guy's been, guy's been tremendous. Judge has been tremendous. And the bullpen, which has been much maligned, much, much maligned. Well, now it's rounding into form a little bit. We've got Luis Severino, who's finally off the IL. I mean, he was the ace of the team as a starter. Coming in, throwing gas, looking great out of the bullpen. Maybe he gives them the shot in the arm that they need. Luisa goes back. That's huge. I know Clay Holmes gave up a home run last night to Bo Bichette, who I'm quickly really coming to not enjoy. But he's been good for them. The Yankees are in good shape. Now, had they won last night and Cole taking care of business, they would have been in really good shape. Now they're in good shape. Let's take care of business tonight in the rubber match against Toronto. Tampa's got everything sewn up. So if you can just get to Tampa with the lead, we should be all right. Yankees look like they're going to be okay. All right. So as I mentioned, NBA season is upon us. And yes, I'm going to be getting back into talking a lot of NBA. I can't wait for this NBA season to come back, especially considering, as I mentioned before, on the top of the rant, that the Giants stink and I'm totally done with the NFL and the self-loathing that it causes me. But yeah, so NBA season is upon us. There's a lot of storylines. I I really don't want to get into the whole Brooklyn Nets thing with Kyrie Irving, whether he takes the vaccine or not, and his stance of why he's doing it or why not. I really don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about the actual sports, and we're going to be previewing the Eastern Conference, Western Conference, over-unders in each conference, bets we like. That's going to be coming up next week. Uh, really excited to do that. But there's one thing I'll say about all the other ancillary stuff that's not the stuff on the court. And I, I have touched on this before, but, I, but recently I came across uh, something on The Bird on Twitter. You know, a couple of guys have come out saying that they don't want to get the vaccine. Uh, It was Kyrie Irving, but this was in reference to Bradley Beal saying he doesn't want to get the vaccine. He cited personal reasons. Fine. I don't agree with the decision. I also don't agree with overarching vaccine mandates. I think people should have a choice to do it with what they want with their bodies and what they put in their bodies. I've had my vaccinations since March. Whatever. I don't want to get into all that. But the one thing I will say and this has been bubbling for a while now, for a while now, is the holier-than-thou sports writers and the holier-than-thou sports media. I am now part of sports media, all right? But I will not be a part of the holier-than-thou club that is a lot of these sports writers, specifically, specifically NBA writers. And so anyways, I came across this guy's uh, tweet I don't even want to give his name out there, but he's actually been a guest on the show. He was actually a pretty shitty guest, but whatever. That that is what it is. Talking about Bradley Beal's reasons for not getting the vaccine, the fact that he was exceedingly nebulous where he said it's just personal reasons. I've got news for you, holier-than-thou sports writer. Bradley Beal doesn't owe you an explanation for why he is or he isn't getting vaccinated. He doesn't owe you shit, all right? whether you agree with his decision or not, is immaterial. It's immaterial. That's his choice. Bradley Beal doesn't play in a city or a state right now that requires proof of vaccination to get in certain places indoors. He'll be able to play most of his own games. But still, that's not even the point. He doesn't owe you anything. So for the you to go spouting off your own Opinions on Twitter about, you know, take the vaccine versus not and what it means. And, of course, it's across political lines at this point. And all of you holier-than-thou NBA writers generally slant towards the left, which is ridiculous. But whatever. That's not the point. The point is he doesn't owe you anything. And guess what? Everybody who follows you on Twitter, who reads your stuff – doesn't care what you think about the vaccine or what you think about him not taking the vaccine. They want to read sports content. They don't care about your political opinions. They don't care about your vaccine opinions. They don't care. So focus on sports. All right. We've gotten to this notion where the large part of sports writers and guys who cover sports seem to be anti-sports these days because of political leanings because of you know, public policy leanings. Just shut up and be thankful that sports are back and they've pretty much gone off without a hitch because that's what pays your damn salary. So write about sports, cover sports, and no one cares about your other opinions on any of the other things that aren't pertaining to sports. So just cut the shit. No one cares, all right? Just needed to get that rant off my chest, but yes. Going forward next week, we are going to be speaking more about the light topics of the NBA, like the actual games that will be played on the court, because that's what you come here for. But I just I, it was it was bubbling and I had to get it out there. But anyway, all right. So last thing before we go into tonight's guest, we're going to talk about the Yankees a little bit. And may, we may have a secondary guest to talk uh, about, again, New York sports sadness, but Last week, we were two and three against the spread. It looked, it was looking like a four and one week. Most of the games had my feelings hurt again. But here we are. We're back to the grind because eventually it's going to flip around. Eventually, it's going to flip around. Right now, I'm just getting a feel for what's going on in the league, in the NFL. I don't have a great feel right now, but I actually feel pretty good about this week so hopefully that bears results so the first bet is the lions giving three against the bears love the lions in this spot the lions have been frisky this year they've been frisky they played i know they were at home but they played the baltimore ravens really really tough they came back against the niners week one the lions have been low-key frisky and i just think the, the bears are bad so why why not take the points Second is Miami at home, minus two against the Colts. I was on the Colts last week. It looked like that they were going to cover that spread. The offensive line's banged up. Carson Wentz is bad. I, I think Miami is pretty good, actually. So uh, I, I like Miami at home under a field goal we like that. The Eagles at home, plus seven against Kansas City. Home dogs have been super, super profitable so far. Plus, the Kansas City Chiefs haven't covered against anyone in a long, long time. So I actually like the Eagles uh, with the points here. I've got the Packers favored by six and a half at home against the Steelers. The Steelers are really bad. I think uh, the Packers are finding their groove a little bit. Rodgers has a little pep to his step, so I expect the Packers to cover the number. And the finale is Sunday night, the marquee game of the weekend. Tampa Bay goes to New England. Tom Brady returns to Foxborough. The Bucs are favored by seven points. I love the Bucs because Tom Brady is going to want to stick it to Bill Belichick in the worst, worst way. I expect Rob Gronkowski to get in the end zone to give the New England Patriots brass an extra screw you during this game. New England's got a rookie quarterback. They're below average. It's fine. But I'm really looking forward to Tom Brady really sticking it to the New England Patriots and specifically Bill Belichick. So just to recap, we've got Lions plus three, Miami minus two, Eagles plus seven, Packers minus six and a half, Bucks minus seven. Those are the week five picks against the spread. Hopefully it's going to be a little bit better than last week. And that's where we are. So without further ado, we're going to get into tonight's first guest in just a matter of moments. New York football season is over, as I said. So we've got a recurring guest on right now because we got to talk about the Yankees a little bit after a big sweep in Boston. Now going up against the Toronto Blue Jays in a rubber match to really solidify what they've got going on. Uh, We're bringing him back fresh off his first Simcha Torah as a college student maybe doing a little extracurricular activities but whatever we won't tell mom or dad uh andrew sender what's good bud
2: what's going on uh morale was pretty high um up until about 24 hours ago or yeah i guess something around that 20 hours ago after the yanks lost but i'm confident with this team i'm enjoying myself now in college and yeah I'm excited to see. Well, next. I'm
1: glad you have a voice after all the festivities this week. So uh, happy to have you on, happy to, to talk Yanks again. So going into the Boston series, right? We had just r- completed the sweep against the Rangers. The Rangers are not very good. I'm sure your confidence was about the same as mine, that it was like, eh, eh, we'll see. Uh, not that Boston is really scary, but the fact that you know, we needed to win these games. We were two backs. So going into the last nine, to realistically get one of the two wild card spots, how many wins did you think they needed in terms of just that it was going to be enough?
2: Um, so to be enough, I always thought it would be like six would be enough to get in. But to be the home team, you probably needed around seven or eight. And I think I was right about that. But, I mean, even now, you don't know because before that series, that Boston series, um, Toronto was coming off of losing three or four to Minnesota. So you didn't know if they were going to bounce back, and obviously they did. So now, um, I mean, now that number's looking like it needs to be at around eight to really uh, clinch a home spot and maybe seven to get in. Because I don't know if Six is going to do it. The Mariners are really hot right now. People
1: don't yeah, – well, people are forgetting. Where did they're that, that come from? Out. Where did that come from? What happened they, there? Just, they haven't been good in 20 years. They, well, they, they've been scraping the surface
2: of the wild card. And they've been in the wild card spot for actually a really long time. But then they started to fall out in the end of August and the beginning of September. And now they just got they're, – they're on a heater right now. And they got hot at the right time. Them and the Yankees both did, and, the, and pretty much the Blue Jays and the Red Sox both got cold, or at least relatively cold. So that's why we got this four-team cluster of, uh, for the wild card.
1: The Boston series. What's – besides for the obvious of Judge and Stanton, who – were incredible, and Stanton was you know carried that over into the first game of the Blue Jays series, homering in four straight games, and, and came up absolutely huge in every single big spot. But what else stood out to you about the team, um, starting with the Boston series, rolling into this Toronto series that, that you're, you're super high on? That you're just like, wow, this, you know, things are going well right now. Well, the bullpen had a sub
2: 0.8 ERA, I think it was. So they were, like, lights out. Like, they gave up one run, I think, of the entire series. And that also was starting to, like, come into the Toronto series. Obviously, Clay Holmes got hit last night, but they've been phenomenal. Their ERA is still below one since the Boston series. And this bullpen, in my opinion, is the best bullpen I think we have ever seen with the arms they have, the filth in that bullpen. I mean, it's crazy. And this is what the bullpen should be. So I'm not really surprised. But I'm more like, all right, they're doing their job. Stan, he's not—he's doing well more than his job. But when he's coming up with a lefty pitcher, a guy that was, you know, low 90s, yeah, I want him to hit that grand slam. I want him to get a base hit, something, you know? And we haven't seen that. So, I mean, I'm happy that everyone's sort of doing their job, but not really because the offense wasn't that good in the Boston series. Like, Aaron Judge only had one hit. That one hit was huge, but, like, he only had one hit. Like, a lot of guys – like, LeMahieu wasn't that great either. Like, there was a lot of things that, like, we can be so much better. And if you're sweeping Boston with just that, like, that's what was, like, to me, like, okay, this is great. Let's start it now. Rizzo, get hot. Gallo, get hot. Everyone get hot right now.
1: The bullpen – the Severino and Herman thing, It's it's been an unbelievable addition. And Severino was the ace of the staff. What was it? two years ago before he got hurt so, and now he can be like the Nathan Avaldi for the Red Sox when they won the world series a couple of years ago, the starter out of the bullpen, just coming, throwing gas. I mean, he's hyped up. He hasn't pitched in two years. So that's been great. The fact that they get Louisa go back. I mean, Clay Holmes got touched up last night for a home run. Um, but other than that, he's been awesome. He, you you'll obviously see less Chad green, which is not a bad thing. Um, We'll see if Domingo Herman can give them something. And all of a sudden the bullpen that was super depleted is not nearly, nearly as depleted as it was even a week ago. So you gotta like that. Who's the guy for you right now? Who just need, if they get it going, but Assuming Judge and Stanton maintain their their level, or you know, level off a little bit, who's the guy for you? Who's like the linchpin guy who who needs to get it going for things really to get to get rolling here with this team? Well, to be
2: honest, I think it's um I think it's like three people who, not I'm not asking for their like what they used to be or what they can be, just. The three of them need to pick it up from where they are right now, and that's Gallo, Rizzo, and LeMahieu. Between the three of them, it's starting to become a liability. Rizzo's defense has not been very good. Gallo has dropped two pop-ups that have literally almost blown two games for the Yankees. It blew last night's Toronto game. It, yeah, it that blew the bad. Red Sox game. Like, we're, we're getting to a point where it's like, you got to buckle down, and then LeMahieu. He's, he's been hovering on this 265 mark all year. Like, when are you going to wake up? And if you're, if you're not healthy, I'd rather him hang up the cleats for the year, either put an Odor or Velasquez. Because at the same time, they will hit maybe a couple points lower, like a 240, 230. But also, Odor can crush the ball. And Velasquez has a ton of speed. So you're just taking up a spot in, in the lineup. That, like, if you're not going to produce – and he also dropped a, a pop-up. Like, it's just – it's one of those things where it's like I, I just – those three guys need to produce not at an all-star level, just at a
1: normal level for what they should be producing. Well, Mayo to me has been, has been okay. Like, he had that, that nice two-out hit in the Boston series um, that they haven't gotten all year. So I think he's just – even if he's just even killed, he's made some really nice plays in the field on ground balls at third base – even though the, um, the the hitting has been up and down a little bit. But even if he stays at, like, the 265 clip, which is way below what he was the last two years, they'll be fine. To me, the guy is Rizzo. And it's not so much the defense. Like, he's still making great picks at third, first base. Like, he's still doing that kind of stuff. But – and he's had some big hits, but if he can go on, like – a 370 tear along with his defense. Given what his personality is, and he seems to have like this emotional hold on the team that he's like this emotional leader, even coming into the middle of the season, he's the guy who needs to get it going. Like Gallo is what he is, right? He strikes out a ton. Maybe he'll get a hold of one and it'll go out. But to me, it's, it's Rizzo. He's, you know I, he, I, I the dude.
2: I totally get that, and I—I I mean, I think we all know that Rizzo is definitely the most talented. I feel like out of the three of them, because I mean, he's a platinum glove winner, and he does not strike out at a high rate. So it's like it's—it's it's one of those things where it's like it's awesome to watch. I mean, he's hit a lot of really nice balls. Like he puts the ball in place. Like I don't—I don't get totally upset with him. I just the thing for me is like I want him. To stop hitting, stop trying to hit homers. And you can see in his swing, the first two swings that he takes when he's not choking up are like these massive hacks, trying to crush a 450. And we don't need that. We have five other guys that can do that. We don't need another Joey Gallo. We need a guy that's going to choke up on every single pitch and line one the other way. And most of his hits have come with two strikes, which is like, to me, it's like, if that's what's working, How do you not just implement that through your entire, like um, through your entire at bat, just choke up? Like you obviously are a much better hitter that way because you're getting on base with two strikes always. And also, I mean, just between Gallo, like I know he's a big strikeout guy, but like don't like he he can hit homers and he has such a good eye. He swims at pitches that are in the zone only. And that's what I don't get like he's not even chasing. He's just missing at fastballs down the middle. So, I mean, between the two of them, I just think they need to pick it up a little bit, just much more when they are now.
1: Well, I mean, it's the whole philosophy of of baseball in a sense where it's like the three outcomes, right? So, like, even a guy like Rizzo, who over the years has been a disciplined hitter, he still does the same things. Like, he's going to go – he's going to take his hacks when he gets early in the count fastballs and he's going to go for the fences. And then when he doesn't – when he's down in the count, that's when he gets a little bit more disciplined. I mean – it's a hard balance to strike, especially with a guy as talented as him. I mean, you don't expect that from Gallo, right? So it's not—it's not like you can even lament that. But with him, it's just like you know, because he even though he can't run, getting guys on base is still is still better. Uh, so yeah, we're riding high. Oh, before we do that, we talked about the, the and the defense has been shaky, but you know, one of the things that hasn't been as bad as the. Um, the Defense up the middle on ground balls, Glaber Torres moving to second base, right? And he's come alive a little bit at the plate. So, where are you at with Glaber right now? Because the last time we spoke, we, we both were not very happy with his uh performance. So, where are you at with him right now? So, I'm so happy that they finally got
2: him out of shortstop, like it had to, clearly, it had to, he happen. just. He clearly just isn't a shortstop, and Gio Urshela is so talented and can play the position, and LeMayhu is about an average third baseman. So it's good that this all happened, but when it comes to um, to Glaber, I, I mean, when he came up, he came up as a contact and a guy that would barrel up two balls a game, not someone who would hit – 40 home runs, and I, I just think that he's starting to realize that he is not the guy that he thought he was in 2019, and now he's trying to go the other way, get just, just make contact, because the last thing we need is Glaver Torres to be striking out at the same rate as Aaron Judge, as Stan, as Gallo. We don't need that. We need him to make contact with the ball, and he's starting to do that, and he's getting results. It's like, it just happens at baseball. If you make contact, you will get results. It's just how the game works.
1: Do you still see him as a long-term fit on this team, though? No shot. They're, because just, I mean they're paying LeBehu a lot of money, and I don't think they want him to be the third baseman all the time. I think Gio Rochelle is a much better third baseman than he is a shortstop, even though he made an unbelievable play last night with throwing from his uh from his backside. That was ridiculous. It's just I like that he's looked more comfortable at the plate. I like that you can hide his defense a little bit more. Even though tonight, as we're watching, he just you know is a little too nonchalant on certain pop-ups, especially for a team that hasn't caught pop-ups very well the last you know couple of days. But it, it's looked better. It's look, it's looked better. Would I mind seeing Tyler Wade play over him or Velasquez playing short? No, I wouldn't. Still. But hey, yeah. you know, if, if he can if he can you know hit 320 in this stretch and just keep keep it moving and not strike out all the time, that's fine. Wonderful.
2: Yeah, I think the key for him is also the postseason. Like he needs to have a big postseason because his job, I mean, it's not really on the line, but it is sort of because if he does not perform in the postseason, the Yankees are going to go get. Seager or Story, preferably Seager. I want the lefty bat. But Labor Torres needs to have a good postseason because right now, yes, he's playing very well in, in big games, but does anyone feel confident when he steps up to the plate in the big moment? Even though the numbers say we should be right now, I still just – I don't feel it anymore with Glaver. Like I – when Tyler Wade was up in the Toronto game with two outs of the man on second – I honestly had a ton of confidence in him. I said, you know what? I really believe Tyler Wade will put up a good at-bat, which he did, and I certainly believe he'll put it in play, which he did. That's just – like with Glaber, I just don't know. I can either get this amazing at-bat where he's not taking the big leg kick, he's fouling pitches off, he pokes them the other way, or I get the Glaber where he's just swinging away at every pitch he sees. So, yeah.
1: And the the truth of the matter is, is the Yankees – Assuming they bring back Rizzo are gonna have a logjam, jam, right? You're gonna have a log jam in the infield, and, and somebody's gonna to have to be the odd man out if you know they're not gonna to want to continue playing the infield this way long term. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what he does. Uh your beef with Stanton. I I, I think we gotta be over that beef with Stanton, no?
2: So I've actually Over this year, and I know I'll probably get a lot of crap for this, but the one thing, regardless of his play, the one thing that I always said, like this year at least, that I love about him, he's keeping it real. He's not trying to hide something. He's telling you exactly what everyone wants to hear. When the Yankees are playing bad, he says, yeah, we're playing like crap. We got to pick it up. I love that about him. And now that he's producing at the level which I sort of knew he could do, I just, well, he won one MVP, thing i just Of say, course
1: he knew he could do it. It's just he didn't do well, no. it. And he was brittle.
2: But the second he came over to the Yankees, and you could watch the MVP season over, every single home run this guy hits is with two hands. And for some reason, the first three years while he was here, he never took a single swing with two hands. Everything was one hand. And he's totally eliminated that. The only time you'll see him fan with the, with the one-handed swing is if it's a really bad pitch and he just got fooled. Which is going to happen because he's a strikeout guy. But every single time he takes a good swing, a powerful swing, makes contact, there is two hands on the bat. And it is something that Judge is starting to do, and it's something that Stan's definitely doing. And it's just, it's, it's like to me, it's like I've been saying this for four years. Two hands on the bat, and you will hit the ball. It is, it's the correct way to hit a baseball. No one says hitting with one hand has ever worked. It just doesn't, unless you're like A-Rod, who's an unbelievable baseball player.
1: It started to turn with me with Stanton when um, he started playing the field. And so it's just like, oh, okay, like he's capable of doing this, right? And then he had the moment against the Mets, even though the Yankees lost the game where he hit the big home run and, and gave it to Lindor, who then, you know, crapped all over the Yankees by hitting his third home run. But then the Mets haven't won a game since. So sayonara to the New York Mets. But he's been about the life as they say this year. And then he, and he's come up big and, and he was good for them in the playoffs last year. It's just, we wanted to see it more often and, and it's hard to, to fault the guy this year. I mean, he hasn't been as brittle as he's normally been. Like the whole thing was, he's made of glass. Well, he's played a lot of games this year. Whole thing is he's never, he gets a big hit. He's gotten big hits this year. He's played the field and with him playing the field right now, it, it unlocks a whole lot of flexibility that the Yankees did not have, which is important, especially because Luke Voigt just went on the injured list, which is – oh, it's not okay, but, like, I, I don't really care that much, to be totally honest. Um, and with uh, with Gallo just getting hit by a pitch, like, we're going to need him to play the field a little bit, and it's good. I mean, it's, it's nice. I, I'm happy for the guy because he's gotten – you know, the contract is what it is, right? It is what it is. The Yankees didn't sign him to that contract. They traded for part of it. Just whatever. The guy makes what he makes. It's not worth it, but he's been really, really good for this team, so it's time to give him some love.
2: Yeah, no, um, I mean, he's this year he's definitely lived up to what like he's worth. Like, he's been – I mean, in a normal year without Otani and Guerrero putting up just unreal numbers, he would be in an MVP talk. He would. Well, judge two. Is, judge,
1: judge two. Judge two would are, be
2: that MVP. The two true. of them are just, they're tearing it up right now. And I think people have to realize that they're not going to hit 50 home runs. They're just not. Like, it, it's just, they're, they're not built like that anymore. They don't get the, they don't get enough at bats. They're just, when you're getting 280 and set, 30, 35 to 40 home runs, that is amazing. Take that every year. And I think that's what they'll give us most years because they're really, really talented. But when it like, comes to, to Stan, I think like the main thing, and it's what's worrying me about Voigt getting hurt, and it's not even about Voigt being hurt. It's more about the Yankees are going to go back to babying Stan, which I hate. The reason why Stan has been playing better is because he's in the field. He's not sleeping in the dugout during every half inning. He needs to be in the field. It's keeping him alive. And Stan has even said it. I love playing the field. I want to play the field. How could you not reward the second highest paid player on your team with that? Like that is just – it's like – and you need it. You need the fielders. Like you need them. We don't have the, the outfield luxury anymore. We have three everyday guys, and then you have Stanton. But even Gardner's
1: not an everyday guy. No, but give him a little credit too. He's been very good for the Yankees lately too, and another guy poured dirt all over. So you mentioned the second highest paid player on the team. We got to talk about the highest paid player on the team right now. On a scale of one to 10, how nervous are you about about Mr. Garrett Cole? I'm getting to the point
2: where I don't even want him to start the wild card game if we play Toronto. If we play Toronto, I I just I don't like I don't like the matchup. He's been so bad against them. Like, it's, it's really good. Like, it's almost like a, if we need to make sure that if we win this game, if it's the last game of the year, it's Sunday. If it's the last game of the year. And if we win this game, Toronto is gone. Somehow, that's a possibility. I am pitching Cole on Sunday because I don't want him facing Toronto. So he who would you throw him. in that scenario? Nestor? I'd rather, I'd, I'd rather throw Nestor. Yeah, because Nestor will mess with the timing. The, the Blue Jays hit fastballs. That's what we have to realize. They hit fastballs. They don't hit curveballs. I'm watching Guerrero and Simeon just fan it every curveball that goes by, but they will crush your fastball. So why not put throw Nestor in there? They'll, they'll mess with their minds. That's when Nestor is a better ERA than Cole. He's pitching to a 2 7. Nestor has been the best pitcher on this team. He just has.
1: Oh, Nestor has not had I a bad start. See, I don't buy that because. The Cole thing is yeah. weird. The Cole thing is weird because like yeah, ERA is what it is, but like he's gotten a little unlucky with some of like with some of the defensive stuff. Like, yeah, he gives up like a solo home run here or there, but usually not with a lot of guys on base. Like it's just I'm not willing to go that far yet, but I, I will see your point in terms of Cole going. The game to avoid the Blue Jays in the wild card game. I, I do see that. However, assuming they win, you've not you're not throwing him until game three of the of the first round potentially, and that's a little dicey. But but he, he, uh, to be honest, even then, like especially with the Yankees, like they actually have a luxury. They have a lot of guys that can go out and eat some innings.
2: We're, we're forgetting about Severino and Herman.
1: Those well, going to be a, two, beat, a two-inning guy out of the bullpen. He's not going to be a starter. I think they could stretch him to three or four. And if we're talking
2: hey, – if he can get four innings of one-run baseball, I'll take that. I'll, I'll take that. You think they're going to do that? I mean, you will know, say so Mike King. Mike King has proved to everyone that he can go four innings, and he could just be – honestly, he might just be the nastiest pitcher on this team. I mean, that the Kluber curveball and then the 99-mile-an-hour sinker, I mean, that is disgusting. It is gross. This kid is gonna be great and he needs to get innings in the postseason. I'm not saying get a start, but piggyback with Kluber because Kluber has shown he he just can't can't go deep right now. He just Kluber can't makes he really like,
1: Kluber makes me yeah. really nervous.
2: But he looks good on the first way through. It's the second time, and then the it's just it gets becomes a mess. So if
1: you piggyback him with with Mike King, I don't mind it. I like that. But Realistically now, you only have two starters who can give you six. Cole's going to give you a good outing most of the time, and Nestor can give you five-and-a-half, six. But Monty. who else? Monty. Monty.
2: Mon- Monty has been, Monty's been amazing. His, you can't look at his record. He's pitching to like a 3-2. His record has just been horrible because the Yankees don't give him any run support. But he's
1: been so are, are you Are you comfortable throwing Monty out in game one of an ALDS? A hundred percent. No doubt in my mind. I actually really
2: love Montgomery because he has pitched in this atmosphere before he has, he's done it before. And also Monty has been really good in really big games. Like he has been, he's come up to the plate every time he's needed to. When it comes to Cole, I love Garrett Cole. And I love everything that he does, but there've been a lot of games this year where we've said that's a must win. Our ace is on the mound. He's lost a lot of those games he really has and it's it's start like he got bailed out in boston you know what i mean like we came back i mean, and he, won that bailed game. I mean he just had he was pitching to the lead it, it just it, it but it wasn't a, it wasn't the start we needed we needed the eight inning garrett Cole to just shove it in their throats and we didn't get that he's a, he a six five era over his last five starts like it's it's starting to get really, really concerning. The thing is though, of course, like look, obviously I have my takes, but Garrett Cole will be starting the wild card game if they make the wild card. And I'm more than I have all my confidence in him. The only thing that bothers me is that you have a guy like Nestor who might not even get a start in the postseason, and he's been yeah, arguably he one of your best a, he, oh, No, on He
1: has to get a start in the postseason. Why no, wouldn't he get a start? Big,
2: they're talking about him being a long man. They don't. They don't think he's starting. They think the rotation right now. Well, actually, hold. I, I will hold on that because this was before Tyone got hurt. But the rotation before Tyone got hurt, they were going to run a four-man rotation of Cole, Tyone, Montgomery, and then um, Kluber. That was going to be their four, and that was like set in stone. And I didn't understand it because Nestor has been your best player. But the problem is that normally, especially in the ALDS you don't need four starters you only need three so they were going to run with three starters and then you have Nestor as the um as the the bulk bullpen guy which is not fair because Nestor has been disgusting and honestly Nestor in between like a a Severino and a Cole is amazing you have two guys high 90s slider and curve then you have Nestor in the middle who will just mess with your brain Screw up your timing. He'll do the weird windups and everything, and I love it. He gets so into the games. He's like, oh, it's the intensity you see out of this guy. He gives up one run in a big game against like the Detroit Tigers. He starts slamming his glove. I love that. That is what we need in this team. And
1: he brought along Bronxy the turtle, right. our new mascot. Right. So I'm, I, I was about to bring up Bronx. See, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm in for all weirdness. I'm in for weirdness. And I like Nestor. I think Nestor has to start. So, all right, we were on a seven game winning streak last night was a tough loss. Confidence level is where right now on a scale of one to 10. I'm at like a seven, which
2: is, I think pretty high considering, I mean, I'm a New York sports fan. So I normally think very like down about my teams, but, um, uh, look, Which I think not, because gonna... Yankees
1: fans are notoriously we're we're jackasses. We always think yeah, exactly. We're yeah, we we're, it's always at
2: a zero. We can be on a twenty game win streak, up thirty games in the in the division. It's still at a zero. But I I, I am at a seven, and it's honest because I, I there's something about this team, and it just keeps reminding me of like the 0-9 team. For some reason, they're making it so much harder on themselves. They have all the talent in the world, but someone. And if someone's going to be the Matsui who just you don't expect it and they're going to just light it up at one point. And I think it's Rizzo. I really think it's Rizzo. I think Rizzo in the postseason, because he's very, very cool and calm. I think he's going to have an explosive, like at least last four or five games or whatever, and then into the postseason. But I mean, I also I don't know about Tampa. You know, obviously, they're probably going to want to just end our season because they would that's their that's their story that they've been running on. They get, they pay uh, one sixth of the Yankees roster and then they make it to the World Series and blah, blah, blah. So they'll want to end our season, but they're not going to go crazy. They're not going to throw out their best bullpen guys and stretch them out because that would just, that would be dumb. They like, they're in the ALDS. They're going to have the best record in the
1: American League. Like, you know, just chill out. I actually think if the Yankees win tonight, they needed to just win one game in Tampa and it'll be enough. I mean, it depends what happens tonight. That's the key, and that. that's what
0: right. I
2: hate. And it's, it's the problem with losing last night. If you win last night, the scoreboard means nothing, nothing. You'd be up two games right now against every team. But because you lost, now you got a scoreboard watch, which is the worst, especially because Boston's playing Baltimore and they move on to Washington. So it's like you got to assume they're going to win every single game. We got lucky. Baltimore even squeezed a win out. So now it's like we got to watch the scoreboard, which
1: sucks, because we need home field. We really do. So that's the Yankees. They're going to be interesting to watch. Obviously, it's a nail-biter the last four games, not necessarily the way we thought it was going to be drawn up. But, hey, we're in it. We're here. It's good. Quick uh, Syracuse sports update. For all the Qs fans who are gonna be listening, Syracuse football was supposed to be like horrifically, horrifically bad. Where where are we at with Syracuse football right now? Because I don't know yeah. anything. So educate me. I don't
2: think they were supposed to be bad. I mean, they have I mean, I have to say, like, and you probably have heard this this kid's name, Sean Tucker, the running back, is unbelievable. And this kid is NFL talent.
1: They were favored to so I think they were they were previewed to in vegas i think to win like four games this year going into the season i to be honest
2: i don't i can't look at that stuff because i've been fading the vegas lines almost every single game with syracuse and i keep winning so and i know this team i know this team well between deuce deuce chestnut and sean tucker and dino babers the coach this is a this is a very talented football team it really is not that bad and they just had a really, really big win, a double-digit underdog win against Liberty. Like they just had a mount a monster high, win high and has been hopeful
1: in Liberty, the quarterback, right? He's gonna be a first round. Yeah, huh?
2: They shut him down. They shut him down between Deuce Chestnut and Michael Jones. Shut him down. They were sacking him. They were just they were they were making it tough on him. He had some beautiful throws. I will say that. I was sitting pretty close. Some beautiful throws, but they they made him work and they got a big win. And also. People are forgetting that they play in one of the like one of the loudest like college football venues. The dome is so loud that like that is something that the factory. a lot of these guys haven't played in loud crowds. The Syracuse team is relatively older, and especially their quarterback, they, their quarterback um, Tommy DeVito, he's he's like a fifth year senior or whatever. Like he's gonna be playing for us. So he knows what that's like. When you come into the dome, it's a totally different atmosphere. And they play seven games at home and five on the road. And this week going to Florida State, feed Florida, they're, gonna, they're either going to win that game or cover,
1: one or the other, or, or both, really. Let's be honest. The Syracuse football team has not been relevant since Donovan McNabb or even earlier than that when Ernie Banks was there was the first uh, African-American, I believe, to win the Heisman, uh, even, bef- even after Jim Brown. But anyway, Syracuse basketball. That's what the people really care about in Syracuse. Syracuse basketball. We got Buddy Bayheim's last year. We've got another Beheim brother on the on the roster. Yeah, How guys up are the people on campus about this basketball team? So right now, I really have not
2: like paid attention to it, but I know like they've they've done a very good job with recruiting, and especially between Buddy Beheim and Gerard. Playing another year, I mean, the, the two of them are—they're like almost veterans at this point. And Beheim just keeps getting bigger from what I'm seeing. So this guy's just going to become so much more dominant. And going to be a pro. I mean, he's going to get drafted. Yeah, people oh, think
1: 100. Guys like that who and, and he's improved his handle. Guys like that who can shoot, he's going to get drafted. Yeah, no, he's he's a dog. Like he he works his ass off. Like
2: really does. And he's getting taller and bigger. When he first came on the scene, everyone knew he could shoot, but he was like 6'1", 6'2". Now he's like 6'5". Like, now he's a big boy. So now he can really do work. And, I mean, between him and then you have Gerard, and then it's Jim Beheim's last season, they're gonna, there's going to be a lot of bugs. that official? He announced last, his last season? Yeah, this is his last season. I'm 99% sure it's his last season. I don't know if that's because Buddy Beheim might go to the draft this year. I, I, I don't know all that. I just I know that there's been a lot of talk about like it is his last year like you know there's gonna be all the farewell stuff but I mean look Syracuse it's a magical team and now that they're allowed to have fans back this biggest basketball venue in the country it, it's the Loud House is gonna be packed. Do you, I have, can tell you, do you have
1: your season tickets
2: yet? Of course I do. I do have my season tickets. I will be camping out against Duke, UNC. Every big game I will be out there camping and waiting to get in.
1: All right, I may I may have to make a trip up to see the uh, yeah. see the uh, the Carrier Dome a little bit in all its glory. It's gorgeous now. They
2: just renovated it for the, it was for last season, but this season, first season with fans, it's beautiful
1: now. I'm not, sure college, beats- I'm not sure how the college basketball media is going to be able to handle the fact that Bayheim and Coach K may be their their last years together, that's gonna it's gonna be too much. I think like. Seth uh Reese Davis is gonna like have like an aneurysm like Seth Greenberg's gonna freak out it's it's gonna be weird so Beheim needs to stay on another year they can't have that together
2: I don't know I mean we'll see but uh it will be um it'll be pretty interesting to see how they do this year because I think I'm not sure if it's this year but I think it might be next year might be like the year where there's gonna be a lot of hype
1: I'm not sure who do they who do they open up with this year who's their first game regular season game oh uh I
2: have no idea. I, I, have looked at the schedule a couple of times, but like, I, I don't really have it memorized. Cause it's, to be honest, I didn't realize how far away it is. It's like the beginning of November, maybe late November. Like it's, it's far away. Cause it's, it's only like 40 games. It's not a lot of games. And if you, the tournaments, all the tournaments and everything start in like beginning of March. So I don't know, but uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm extremely excited. Look, I think Syracuse is going to make it to a bowl game in football. And then, basketball hopefully i get a run there's nothing like when syracuse goes on a run and parting it up at varsity the pizza place there you
1: go all right andrew sender we got a little yankees takes we got a little uh man on the street in terms of syracuse sports love the enthusiasm obviously we'll probably be texting during games watching the yankees right now they're tied at one with the blue jays aaron judge made a really nice catch and hit a bomb We'll see what happens tonight. Good to speak to you as always, and we'll chat soon. Thanks so much, bud. Thank you. Later. So I teased it in the monologue. I said we may have a second guest. Well, that maybe is turning into a definite. Talked about the Yankees a little bit and all their glory, but it's time to get a little sad. It's time to bring on a recurring guest. One of my favorite guests, Jako Rosenberg, a.k.a. Sad Mets Dad. The Mets set a record. For the most number of days in first place in the division to only finish below 500. He's also a Jets fan. The Jets are a disaster. Cove. Um, the sad meter. On a scale of 1 to 10, we're checking in. What level um, of STAD um, are you right now?
0: Just numb. <laughs> Complete and utter numb. Yeah, don't even get me started on the Jets. I... I Gave up on the Jets. The Mets, I've just accepted. It's acceptance. I accepted that the best we're going to get, like you said last night, is a standing ovation for a 240 hitter. Yeah.
1: That's what where we're that? at. So.
0: What
1: was that? Hold on. Can we talk about that for a second? The guy, Michael Conforto, who's going to be a, it was a pending free agent, wants a huge deal from the Mets. Goes out and hits 240, has like a terrible year, and the Mets give him a stand, the fans give him a standing ovation. Like, this is on the heels of ESPN's four part documentary of the 86 Mets and that era of a team that won 108 games in the World Series, and now we're applauding 240 hitters on their way out the door. What is happening?
0: Well, one, we're a very nostalgic franchise, Um, and two, Nostalgia Dude, if, he 240, if he hit two forty, if he hit two, if he hit two forty this year, that means two next year.
1: <laughs> Dude, oh my God, you're sick.
0: So they're bluffing. They take the qualifying offer, you know, give him a little bit, you know, a few shekels. My daughter will be happy another year. She's a big Conforto fan, and you know, then he'll right, then then he'll hit like two eighty, like thirty home runs. Then they'll give him the major contract, and then he'll go back to being a two forty hitter. That's what's gonna happen. It's fine. Do you realize how, how sick that sounds?
1: Just that how just beaten down that you sound right now? I mean, we're, we're, we don't even know what the sad meter is right now. Like, we, we've blown past the sad meter.
0: You know, I, I don't know if this is like my way of just um, coping, but like, I've become more of a baseball fan. Oh, my. You know? God. Just. <laughs> oh, my. God. No, you know what? As I say it, as I say it, it's really sad. That's really, that's very, yeah, no, I'm at a 10. I'm at a 10. But I'll tell you this much. I took my daughter to four games. Well, one was rained out. But first game, she got a ball. Second ball was rained out. Second game was rained out. She still had a great time. Third game, we sat in the Coca-Cola section, and she got to see the, uh, um, the Big Apple rise. And in the last game that they lost, in fact, she got to meet Mr. Matt, and she got big screen on the Jumbotron. So all is not lost. All not go, lost. We do, not it. Lost. but again, but again, this is me trying to find, you know, uh, pebbles of goodness in what is just, uh, you know, a heaping mound of shit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so, which franchise makes you more sad, the Jets
0: or you the know, Mets? The Mets, at least, I feel like. You know, I know the owner, love him, hate him, whatever. At least now it was like a freshness to get more engaged. The Jets still have it, it's it's really it's really Groundhog Day. Bring in a new coach, bring in a new quarterback. The coach ruins the quarterback. The owners are the worst ever, even worse than Dolan, in my opinion. At least Dolan pretends to. I mean, he cares. He's just awful. You know, it, it's the Jets are definitely. Um, I, I've, I've, yeah. The Jets, the Mets, I still, again, I, I'm, I'm going to be optimistic every year. I really am. It's that sad. It's, it's that level of sadness. The Jets, I, I've lost all optimism. So I don't know what just sadder. I don't, that's a good flip of coin. <laughs> but yeah, this is yeah. what fandom's all about, right? I mean, the Yankees, the Yankees Till they made those trades, right? I mean, everyone's like, they're a joke. Why are they making those trades? And as much as I hate to say it, you know, I'm watching last night with a few friends. We got the, we got the football game on one screen. They're watching the Yankee game. I'm like, you know, I got to give them credit. So it's, you know, the highs and lows, man. There's a lot of highs and a lot of lows.
1: Well, I would argue with you, and I did it on the monologue, that the Giants are even more disappointing than the Jets because the Giants at least had, like, some sort of expectation that maybe they'd yep. be in the mix for the division and basically they just start zero and three every year are are also a heaping pile of shit so you know it's bad news and again we're gonna take the yankees out of it but you know it's bad news when like the new york knicks are the beacon of light for new york yep. sports and don't give me the nets because no one gives a fuck about the nets
0: no one gives no no uh, it's it's the, yeah, that's true. Knicks is the old, you know the Knicks win a cha- the Knicks get to the Eastern Conference Finals. You know I think all of New York will be united. <laughs> I think that's I think world peace. Forget forget winning a championship. Do,
1: do you know what kind of blood medication I'm going to need to be on if the Knicks are making an Eastern Conference Finals <laughs> run? Yeah. I, I'm when, when,
0: when does preseason start?
1: Uh, in about a week and a half, uh, home openers, August, uh, October 20th against the Celtics. Hopefully your boy's going to be in the building. But there's a realistic possibility that the Knicks win a regular season game before both the Giants and the Jets.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it just gets <laughs> sadder and sadder and sadder. I, you look at their schedule. I, I looked at the Jets' schedule. They're... But even before the season, it's probably gone down. They they had, they were not favored. I don't think in one in any game. The the best case scenario was like a, a they had a forty eight percent chance. You know whatever they they used to determine that. But that's when you're predicted. I guess you know not win a game. It's you shouldn't win a game. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know the stats. The, 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 it's. Would you rather have Daniel Jones though, or Zach Wilson? That's the question.
1: Oh well, I mean for me it's it's Zach Wilson because it's still year one, right? It's three games into year one. You can sell yourself on the fact where it's like, okay, it's year one. Let's see if it's really, really bad at the end of the year. It's like, all right, fine. This is worrisome, but like you're not there yet. Like if he shows confidence towards the end of the year, you could, you could be like, oh, okay, fine. This may look decent, you know, with a couple of decent players. I mean, the Giants haven't won a game, and Daniel Jones has only lost one fumble. He hasn't thrown an interception right. yet, and they're right. 0-3. It's so what sad. does that tell you? Th- <laughs> that, the, that the sad meter for the Giants fans is at that, is that a 10 right now. Is that a 10? They couldn't even be competitive on the 20th anniversary of commemorating September 11th. You know, and
0: I, I, the, the saddest thing is that Eli didn't dress last week. <laughs> that would have been great. You know, that, that's where it's sometimes. I think if Eli came out of retirement, I think he might play a bit better than Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, no fumbles, fine. But what is he doing for the team, really? You know, it's – Well, it's – Neither it, team has it, any pizzazz. Been, there's no pizzazz.
1: The, everything is just – just – there's a malaise. Like, I feel like they never have the ball because the defense stinks. It's, you know, just boring vanilla play calling. Like, he doesn't inspire any confidence. Like, yeah, he tucks it and runs a little bit. Like, you saw glimpses of Barkley last week, but then all of a sudden he needed to make one guy miss to end the game, and he just couldn't. It was on a third down where if he makes the guy miss, he he basically takes it like 30 extra yards, but he couldn't – just that little wiggle – like they he was the number 2 overall pick that's sad and then you know they only scored 14 points against the Atlanta Falcons who were giving up like 35 right. a game that was very sad so yeah it, it's sad the sad meter is high the sad meter is at, is at a 10 for giants fans but more importantly but I'm just checking in on your mental health um
0: i appreciate it and uh you know i think i'll weather the storm Done it before. I did it when they collapsed, and I don't even know what year. Oh, times. Seems like every year. Well, the collapse but, was seven That was that was the bad Mets collapse. Yeah, but it's I was out, I was out with, yeah, with Wagner. Yeah, yeah. Very sad.
1: Very yeah. sad. All right. So we'll wrap this segment up. So the scale of one to ten, where we've blown past the one to ten scale in terms of sad. Safe to say.
0: I mean, the sad is is like I said. If there is something beyond ten, um, it's got to be a word for it. I'll let you know when I come up when I create a word that describes the feeling. All right, you know, you know when well, you become a Mets fan, become a Mets fan, then you'll understand.
1: Till then, well, yeah, well, you, the- you know, you know what they say. Like, you didn't choose this life. This life chose you, right? <laughs> like. We don't want to be this way,
0: but we are. It's a sickness.
1: It is what it is.
0: It's sickness and in health. That's it, man. So that's sickness as far. And that's health. how I look at it. All right, Cove. You can follow
1: him on Instagram, sadmetsdad. Hopefully, he won't be so sad the next time we talk to him. But let's be honest, he probably will be unless the Knicks, you know, the Knicks will be okay. So maybe uh, we won't be as sad uh, next time. But we'll check in with you again in a couple of weeks just to make sure that, that we're, uh, we're doing all right.
0: Thank you, brother. I appreciate it.
1: I'll speak to you, kid. All Have right. a good one. Bye. You
0: too.
1: Thanks again to my guest, Andrew Sender, for basking in some Yankees glory with me. And to Cove Rosenberg. Had to check in on him and his sadness meter because, let's be honest, aside for the Yankees right now, there's a lot of sadness in New York sports and just wanted to make sure he's doing all right. That's uh, episode 125 for the love of the game. Again, next week, we're going to not just be focusing on New York sports, we we'll gonna be talking a lot of NBA, a lot, a lot of NBA in the coming weeks. So, yeah, look out for that. That's this week's episode. Take us you out, a Walk. Got a mouth full of diamonds. You can hardly hear me speak. Especially baby. when it's sound like this, this, this. It's the H time, baby, and you, you know, know what it is. It is. I'm thrown. Got a stand
2: phone cup for the bar. I'm thrown. deep in my old school car. Show am while I'm banging the screw. It's the Iceman, baby, and you yeah. know what it do. I'm thrown. ice I need to see somebody do that? Iceman. Iceman.
1: Let's sound side one time Ice meh pow Ice map ice ape ice Come on Ice map Pow wow Ape ice meh pow Ice map ice ape ice, ape Ice map Pow wow. ice man pow